Sunday brunch with your girls is about two things, mimosas and the conversation. Join me every Sunday on the Crowned Opulence podcast for both. I will share my favorite mimosa recipe for the week and of course, girl talk. We'll talk about those topics that may be embarrassing and that we just keep to ourselves and those that we don't talk about enough with each other as women of color. Every woman deserves to live her most opulent life. For us women of color, that often comes with its own set of challenges and setbacks, which way more than we should, we deal with alone. If only we would take our cape off and be just a little vulnerable, we would find that our views, thoughts, and experiences aren't as different as we think. We could feel more supported and less alone. And we could help fix another sister's crown in the process. Little by little, we get a step closer to being crowned with our most opulent lives. Subscribe to the show to make sure you don't miss an episode. Hey, lady, and welcome to the Crowned Opulence Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Conley. I remember as a little girl listening to my mom's records on Saturday morning, and yes, they were actual vinyl records on a record player. One of my favorite songs, and I still love it today, was Karen White's I'm Not Your Superwoman. It's interesting that I grew up listening to a song that declared the exact opposite that I have felt that I had to be, a superwoman. As Black women, we are conditioned that we have to do more and be better than everyone else. We are looked to to meet everyone else's needs and make them feel comfortable with us, including with our physical presence. For generations, we have carried burdens, been demeaned, abandoned, abused, and devalued. As Malcolm X said, the most disrespected person in America is the Black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the Black woman. The most neglected person in America is the Black woman. I would even add the most misunderstood person in America is the Black woman. We have had to work to prove our value, worth, and secure a place in relationships, jobs, and even society. We wear so many hats and are so many things to so many people. It's a wonder that we have an identity at all. We give and give and give to everyone else but ourselves. We often take on everyone else's needs, wants, and feelings without taking the time to process our own or just rest. Today, my guest, LaToya Foster, joins me to talk about this and more as we discuss the Black female superwoman syndrome. LaToya is a wife, mother, and a licensed professional counselor in my city, Chicago, Illinois. She is also the author of two books, I Got This, 30-Day Tips for Black Women with Anxiety or Depression, and her newly released book, I'm Not Your Superwoman an interactive guide to understanding the Black superwoman syndrome. While it has not been called that during previous episodes, 
The Black Superwoman Syndrome has been a reoccurring theme in various conversations on this podcast. This way of thinking is impacting our emotions, mental, and physical health as Black women. And it's time we talk about it and what to do about it. So let's get to it. Hey, LaToya. Hello, how are you? I am good. Happy Saturday. Love the weekends over here. (laughs) Yes, honey. Yes. So, and I am loving that sweatshirt, which is what we are going to talk about today. I am not your superwoman. Yes, yes, and yes. Mm -hmm. What are you drinking? Okay, so I am in this phase of my life where I'm trying to eat healthy and watch what I drink. So I'm drinking water. (laughs) <laughs> but just know that I would prefer a mimosa, a glass of wine, or something with alcohol in it. But I'm trying to be disciplined. I think I missed the memo because literally every episode I want to say, with the exception of one, this month, everybody has said the same thing. They're drinking water. They're trying to detox. They're trying to get rid of this COVID weight. Maybe that's why I haven't lost the weight that I want to lose. Because I have not given up my libations. <laughs> I don't drink them that often, but. Mm-hmm. It's definitely hard. <laughs> Girl, yes, especially right now with everything that is going on. But I understand I have a cranberry orange mimosa. It is actually there. It is really good. It is champagne. Cranberry juice and orange juice. Pretty simple. <laughs> Love it. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, when it's done in moderation, it's okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but I do balance it with my water. Because uh, yeah. it had me run into the bathroom <laughs> for the past several days. So um, introduce yourself. Let the people know who Latoya Foster is. Hello, 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 good people. My name is Latoya Johnson Foster. I'm going to go by Latoya Foster when I don't feel like saying my full name because it's so long. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor based in Chicago, Illinois. Shot town. Yes, yes, yes. So I work in private practice. I'm going to also do counseling at a community college as well. My preferred work is with Black women. Um, I do specialize in Black women's mental health and uh, couples counseling as well. So that's premarital, couples, and marital counseling. Love it. Keep the Black families together. Yes. Yes. That's the goal. Awesome. 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 So I am so excited for this conversation. You have no idea. I have been researching the Black female superwoman syndrome for quite a while. It's been very fascinating to me just to learn more about what it is, how it shows up in my own life. And when I was looking for someone to have this conversation on the podcast, I was searching through Instagram and I came across your page 
thanks to your book, I Am Not Your Superwoman. Uh, and I was like, oh, I have got to connect with her. And then to find out that you are from my hometown, the city of Shy. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, but for those that are not familiar, what is the Black Superwoman Syndrome? So the Black Strong Superwoman Syndrome or the Strong Black Woman Syndrome It's just the pressure and expectations for women of color to manage multiple roles, whether that be a mother, a wife, a full-time employee, part-time, sister, friend. It's just us managing multiple different roles in our lives and the pressures that can often come along with those roles. Now, let me ask you this. How does that differ from women of other cultures because they are wives and mothers and employees and they wear these different hats as well. So how is it different for us as black women or women of color? I just think for black women from such an early age, we are just like pretty much trained to be and do so many things. You got to be the best. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. You have all of these expectations of you coming from your mom, you know, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your older cousins to be this best version of yourself. And then you just kind of silently carry that along with you as you grow older. Then you become this adult woman who is working full time. I got to go to school. I got to get this degree. You know, there could be expectations of marriage. So now it's I have to be a wife. You know, what comes along with being married? People expect you to have children. So then you have a child or you have children. Now you've just added another role to you. And you're supposed to do all of this pretty much graciously. But it's a lot of stress that comes along with having your hands in so many different things at the same time. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as women of all races, Mm -hmm. we all wear these different hats and at different times, we are expected to be the be all end all to our families. Mm -hmm. And you touched on something that I think is so important and so ingrained in us mentally, male or female. We are told since children, you have to be the best. You have Mm -hmm. to work 10 times harder at school to get good grades, to get into college. You have to go through all these things to get a job. I mean, I think about the things that we go through in naming our children so that they can get into college, so they can get a job or have a Mm -hmm. chance. I should say, let me take a step back. And not be judged by their resume, but by giving them a name where you can't tell if they're a boy or a girl. You can't tell what their ethnicity is. Mm-hmm. Just to play into this, you have to be the best. We're told you have to be super early. You can't make a mistake. All of these different things mm-hmm. just to get a seat to try. Let me let me correct that because it's not to get a seat. It's to try to get a seat at the table versus what things people of other races have to do. Mm -hmm. So you're a little kid being trained to think this way and you carry it through life. You carry it through life. And what that does is 
is that it causes anxiety because you're always like on edge and you don't, I know when I was a kid, I didn't know what anxiety was. Nobody talked about it. But if you feel like you always have to go, 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 and you're just waiting for something to happen, you're on edge, that's anxiety. And so we carry that everywhere with us without even knowing that's Mm -hmm. what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we've kind of hinted at this book that you have coming out. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I think that sets up this conversation that we're having, which is ultimately inspired by the book. Yes, yes, yes. So the book was originally an event, a mental health event that I had Mm. planned back in May of this year. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I was like, oh, let me have this event in May and let's talk about just the strong black woman, the black woman syndrome, because I don't know about any other spaces uh, that black women are in. But I know in my space and within my circle, we're having conversations about we are tired. You know, we're tired of cold switching at work. You know, we're tired of coming home and then having to cook, you know, help with homework. All of that other good stuff that comes with being a mom, you know, we're just tired of having to do all the time. And so I said, you know, if these conversations are happening within my circle and I have multiple friend groups, let me bring this to the forefront and make it a public event so I can invite, uh, you know, other black women to talk about it. Let's talk about what it's like being a strong black woman. Let's talk about how detrimental it is to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And then on top of that, I want to leave you with some tools. Let's talk about the importance of self-care and setting healthy boundaries. And so when COVID happened and I had to cancel the event, I was like on pause until a couple of months ago. And it was in my mind, like, LaToya, you have to do something with this idea. Like, you can't just let it go to waste, basically, because you can't do an event. And I was like, oh, well, since the ideas are already in my mind, let me just write a book. And that's how the book came about. I love it. Talk about Black Girl Magic. You said, no, Rona, you are not about to shut me down and keep this information from getting to my sister's. I will find another way. Love it. Yep. You mentioned how the conversations you're having about Black women being tired. It is not just your circle. I have had those same conversations, different groups of women who don't know each other, especially through the podcast. And it seems like more this year than ever that I'm hearing it. And I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and everything is amplified or if it had just been building, but it really does seem like this year, black women are like between Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and just like back to back census killings of black people by white cops in the middle of a pandemic with the election, with job loss. And we know the pandemic is impacting our communities more than other communities. It just seemed like everything like caved in. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why this year it seems as if everything is kind of coming to the surface. Pre-COVID, 
everyone was on the go. We had to get up by a certain time, get to work by a certain time, drop the kids off at a certain time, be at work eight plus hours, hurry up, come home, get the kids to daycare, go home, cook, try to get these kids in bed at a decent hour. Okay. So you're busy. Your whole day is pretty much filled up. Why is the conversations coming to the forefront now? Because we are at home. We can no longer busy ourselves out of what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And what I have seen an increase in this year is buried trauma, Mm -hmm. slapping people right in the face. It's, It's coming up to the surface. It has to be addressed because you're at home. And I'm not saying just because you're at home, you're not working because we are absolutely working. Absolutely. But you have time to sit and think about everything that you have pushed away and buried. It's like, all right, we got to address this. And that's why people are more vocal about being tired and, you know, any other stressors that, you know, we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. We can't run from it anymore. Mm, that is deep because I think that just, whoa, that is so deep because we get so busy with life, mm-hmm. hanging out with our friends, going to church, doing this, that, and the third. And like you said, I mean, you couldn't even really watch TV because Hollywood shut down. So you couldn't even bury yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's only so much Netflix and chill you can do before you watch all of the Netflix shows. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And you no longer have to leave your house to go to work, to go to church, to do this. The only reason now that you will leave the house if you're not an essential worker is if you need to go to the grocery store or do something like that. But as far as working, you're more than likely either working from bed or you're going from your bedroom to the living room or another work area within your home. But you're not Mm -hmm. traveling between multiple places anymore. Mm-mm-mm. Let's touch on that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Pre-COVID, when we were doing all these things, but even like you said, while we are at home, the hats and the roles don't change. Just the commute, <laughs> and the and I would say maybe even the time that you have to shift mm-hmm. into roles and mm-hmm. put on your different hats have shortened or pretty much um, evaporated. Mm-hmm. But now that we are, you know, we're more evolved, we're in corporate America, we are in leadership roles, no matter what industry you're in, and we're still expected to fulfill our duties as a mom, as a wife, um, like you mentioned. And then when we go into the workplace, the expectation is that we're assertive to a point to be heard, but not aggressive, not too strong, because then you know you're labeled the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. But if you're too quiet, nobody hears you and they take advantage of you and they just bulldoze right over you. But then you come home or you switch to another room, you know, current COVID times, and you have to immediately go into wife and mommy mode, which is a whole nother energy. And I love our black men, but I would say being in relationship with a black man requires a different level of energy than a man of another race. Mm-hmm. And so how does all these different hats and the instantaneousness 
of how quickly we are expected to shift into them? Or how does this syndrome show up in our everyday lives? Man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, right? It is a lot. When you were saying all of that, I got stressed all over again. Like, oh my gosh, how are we doing? It's almost like second nature. And I can even make it personal. I get up in the morning. For the last month, I've been getting up and going to the gym. So I get up at 530 in the morning. I'm at the gym at six o'clock. I'm in the gym from six to seven. In my mind, I'm like, okay, my husband, he gets up around seven, seven o'clock. He got to go to work. Okay, I have to be mindful of his time and when he's uh, leaving the house because my daughter is home. So I'm like, okay, around eight o'clock, eight thirty, she has to get up for school. Then I have to think, well, you know, how early should I get her up? Because now I'm considering what she needs to do to get ready for class, although we're at home. Mm -hmm. But I'm still keeping that in mind. So I feel like I'm an autopilot because I'm just so used to. At this point, we were like, what, nine months in <laughs> to this COVID pandemic? Mm -hmm. And so at this point, everything is like, get up, you do this, you do this. Be mindful of time. Okay. Make sure her camera is on at 9.15. Okay. I done logged in to work at 8.30. Let me make sure I check my emails. We have a group chat for work. Good morning. I was like, okay, well, let me make sure to say good morning. So my presence is known that I'm here, you know, then it's like, okay, if I don't have any appointments, what do I need to do around the house? You know, do my daughter need help? Still mindful of time. Okay. It's lunchtime. Baby, you hungry? Let's eat lunch. And it's just all these things. It's all of these things. So it's not like because I'm working from home, I could just focus on work. I'm still focusing on my job, making sure my daughter is doing what she needs to do, making sure that in private practice, if I have clients emailing or calling me, that I'm being responsive within a certain time frame. And so I just feel like everything is just so second nature. You just don't even think about it. You just get up and do mm -hmm. until one day. It's hard to get out of bed because you are exhausted from doing mm. so many different things. You want to stay in bed and sleep all day because you don't have any energy to even get up out the bed. Because you done been going. You've been going. And so now at this point, I always have to add another task in my mind to say, hey, Toya, make sure that you are going outside. 10-15 minutes. Make sure that you are doing your deep breathing exercises. Make sure you're not doing too much and not getting enough rest. And so I'm learning how to prioritize myself within all of my different roles. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something when you started talking about your day mm -hmm. and how you're at the gym to, you know, take care of your physical health, as well as I would imagine some mental health, some emotional health, and just maybe even get a break from your house. But mm -hmm. while you're 
at the gym doing whatever your workout routine is, your mind is still back at home mm-hmm. on, okay, what time is it? What do I need to do to enable my house to function correctly, to enable mm-hmm. my husband to get to work on time, my daughter to get to school, which is in the living room while I'm working, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even though you're at the gym working out, you're really not there. So how much of the energy that could have been used for you in that Zumba class Mm -hmm. or in that spin class to go a little harder, are you now spending not going as fast as you could or putting up Mm -hmm. as much effort as you could? Because mentally you're somewhere else and you're using part of that energy to figure out your household. Yeah. I feel like I am like 65% mentally at the gym, 35% at home. And I say that because I've always been a stickler for time. I hate being late. And so that's where my anxiety comes in. If I get to the gym at 6 o'clock, I'm like, okay, at 6.30, I need to be done with cardio. From 6.30 to 7, I need to do some type of strength training. I need to be lifting weights. Whatever I got to do within that second 30 minutes, I need to make sure that I get it done so that I can transition into my next role. That, you know, being a homeschool teacher, (laughs) you know, while simultaneously being a counselor. (laughs) It's funny, but it's like, man, you know, as I think about it, I'm like, can we really be 100 percent in one place or can we be accepting if we are 70 percent in one space, 30 percent in another space? Mm, mm, mm. So let's go a little bit deeper on that for a second. What is the toll, pandemic aside, because this, you know, syndrome has been happening since the beginning of, well, I'm not going to say the beginning of time, but decades. I I would say probably at least back to slavery, Mm -hmm. you know, is from what I understand where a lot of it came from. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just the pandemic itself, but what is the toll that this takes, this mentality, this way of thinking, this way of feeling, this way of being constantly? Mm-hmm. What is the toll that it takes on our mental and emotional health as Black women? Yeah, it's like if you're not careful, if you're not, you know, somewhat, somewhat present focused, It's easy for depression to creep up. It's easy for burnout to happen. It's easy for a spike in anxiety. You know, it's easy for your stress to increase. You know, once you begin stressing, that takes a toll on your physical health. You know, now we have to consider high blood pressure and just all of these other physical health symptoms that can come along with us not knowing how to effectively manage all of our different roles and our schedules. And so how do we learn to do this? Because before you mentioned the prioritization of self. And so when, you know, I think back to my mom, my grandmothers, my great grandmothers, I've always, my aunts, you know, I've always seen them doing, being the spouse, being the mother, being the employee, being the business owner, being the nurturer, being the glue that holds the family together, being the church goer, being just numerous amounts of hats. I remember 
seeing those more than I see, than I can remember seeing them doing something for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so how do we learn how to prioritize ourselves when generationally we've not seen it because we haven't done it? That's very true. Very, very true. And that was something that I had to learn more so recently than not. And so I had to get to a place where I do a lot of positive self-talk and I hold meetings in my head all the time. But I'm like, Toya, you have to be okay with making yourself a priority because if you notice that you're giving so much of yourself to other people, how can you care for yourself? You have to. It's not even an option. It's mandatory that you prioritize yourself because how can you take care or continue to take care of other people if you are 100% neglecting your own needs? Mm-hmm. You can't, we can't keep saying, I'll do this for myself tomorrow or there's not enough time. No, you have to make time. Everybody else can wait. Hmm. Everybody else can wait. Any problems, whatever they need, I promise you, people will figure out a way to get their needs met. Mm. We have to allow them the space to figure out how to do that. Absolutely. You know, it's like sometimes you hear a problem and you just automatically go into fix them mode. Okay, so how are we going to fix this? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what I can do. And it's like, no, people have resources that they can use. Let them figure out who those people are or what those resources are to figure out their own queen and allow yourself the space to just be. So I was having a conversation earlier this week on the mentality that we have and even society has that black women are replaceable at work, at home, How much of what you just spoke about and immediately going into fix-it mode, problem-solving mode, how much of that, if any, do you think is tied to us feeling like we are replaceable? Hmm. And I never thought about it that way, but I can see how anxiety-provoking that can be to carry around with you daily. I got to be X, Y, Z. To keep this job or I got to do jump through hoops and loops to keep this man, you know, although sometimes they don't be worth all of that. Right. (laughs) That may be one fish you should throw back in the pond. (laughs) That's the one fish you could throw back. But, you know, on a positive note, sometimes they are. It's just we have to work on the thoughts in our mind and get away from what we were told Mm -hmm. when we were younger, because everyone is feeding you information from their own perspective. It doesn't necessarily have to be your story, Mm. but I think we hear messages and it's embedded in our brain and we carry that with us as if that's going to be our story. So then we do all of this extra stuff to make sure, let me show up to work early and stay late so my boss can know that I'm here, I'm dedicated, 
he made it or she made a good decision in hiring me. Mm-hmm. But I'm at this point now, I'm showing up on time and I'm leaving on time because I know my worth. I'm an yes. asset, not a liability. You know, I'm here for a reason. I don't have to come to work early and I don't have to leave work late to prove that to you. Mm-hmm. And society tries to make us feel that we are not assets. Mm-hmm. And so also, you know, I think back to my own journey and matriculating from a child to womanhood and always got my hair done every two weeks, go shopping, things like that. Did things like that to, quote unquote, take care of me. Mm -hmm. And. I'm curious for your expert opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now that I look back on it, prioritizing yourself, self-love, self-care even, is more than just getting your hair done, getting your nails done. It's a part of making you feel good, but it's so much more to that when you prioritize yourself. Absolutely. And you know, the saying goes, when you look good, you feel good. You Mm -hmm. know, that is true. But like you said, everyone is not financially able to go run to the spa or get their nails done or get their hair done every two weeks. So then it's like, hmm, what are some free ways that I can prioritize myself? You can start by saying no instead of saying yes to everything. Hello? (laughs) Right. That's free. That costs zero dollars and zero cents. Learn how to say no and be okay with that. Absolutely. With my family, don't bother me after eight o'clock. I done gave y'all parts of me prior to 8 p.m. After eight o'clock, don't call mama. (laughs) Don't call Toya. Because this is my me time and I'm so unapologetic about it mm-hmm. because I know if I don't prioritize myself and get rest, then the next day I'm going to be cranky mentally. I'm short tempered. I don't have no patience. I don't want to talk to nobody. You know, I don't want to be around anybody. And I have to be really careful of how much of myself that I extend to other people because I'm an introvert. So it takes energy to communicate with others. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I'm a counselor, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But if I'm not careful, then I'm easily burnt out. If I don't rest, if I don't get at least eight hours of sleep, if I don't get time to myself where I, no one is around me, no one is talking to me, then I'm really not any good. Mm-hmm. That is so, so true. Mm-hmm. So it's little things like how can you distance yourself from your family at home? You know, do you have a space where you could just run and hide and just let your family know, don't bother me? Mm-hmm. You know, do you like candles? Does, you know, burning candles, does that relax you? That's a form of self-care. Sitting outside in your car, a form of self-care. Going for a drive, another form of self-care. So it's not all about spending money. It's Mm -hmm. just how can I make myself a priority so my needs can get met and I'm taking care of me. 
That is so true because you can go to the hair salon and the nail shop and still have no boundaries and still say yes to your boss, your husband, your girlfriends, your mama and everybody else and still be empty. Your hair will be laid, but you will still be empty. Yes. And so these setting boundaries sound real good and telling your family, don't bother me after eight o'clock. Sounds real good. But what happens when you set these boundaries with your family and it leads to 8.15, they don't tore up your kitchen or the living room and you, you, you know, come out of your sanctuary and now your house is a wreck. Your kids are swinging from the ceiling fans <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Your house is pretty much like blown up and turned into chaos. How do you maintain this line of whatever your boundary is that you're setting with your family, recognizing that you setting this boundary may have some extenuating circumstances that come with your family. (laughs) Absolutely. And reinforce them, reinforce them, reinforce them. Do not let up. Because let me tell you, your family will test you to see if you are firm on your boundaries or if you are flexible. I'm not flexible. You know, (laughs) you said it point blank. I'm not flexible. (laughs) I'm not flexible because then if I give you an inch, you're going to take a mile Mm -hmm. and we're going to be back at square one. And I don't got time to go back at square one because I I just don't want to do it. And so the good thing that I'm fortunate about is that my daughter is 12 and my bonus daughter is 10. So we all um, independent up in here. Once I'm in my room, don't just don't burn my house down. Don't turn <laughs> stove off. Don't, don't go to the hospital. <laughs> don't do none of that. Sit in here, do what you need to do. I don't care. You know, I'm not coming down to see, oh, y'all messed the kitchen up. Let me hurry up and wash it. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Whatever you messed up, you're going to clean up. Matter of fact, clean up this house. You know, I'm quick to say I'm not the only person in here with hands and arms and feet. We all, this is a team effort. Mm-hmm. This is a team effort. Now, you know, the issue that comes in is like, I like things a certain way. So if I do a little more, it's just because I do deal with anxiety. So in my mind, if I can notice a spot, I can notice shades of color that is like a one tone off. Um, So (laughs) in my mind, I have to have things in a certain way Mm -hmm. or I can be at peace. But anything outside of that, I am, you know, learning to be firm on those boundaries and be unapologetic about it. Love it. And that is something that we can take and apply to every area of life. And it goes back to that you go to work early, you don't take a lunch break, you stay late at work, the crappy projects you say yes to, the promotion that you know you're qualified for, that you get passed over time and time again, you take it on the chin. Having those boundaries in place and knowing where you draw the line and being willing to accept the consequence of you drawing that line is something that 
will help us take off our cape just a little bit. Yeah, I can honestly say that I'm really getting better at saying no and I'm getting better at being okay with myself for saying no because I work two jobs. I have to be mindful of how much I do. And so at the college, if I don't want to join a committee, Mm -hmm. if I don't want to hop on a project, I just won't do it because I don't have the time. I don't have the energy and I don't have the mental capacity to contribute in the way that I would like to contribute. Mm. I'm, I'm not staying at work late. I'm not coming up in this bad boy early. Matter of fact, I might leave a couple minutes early. Um, if anything, right? But I, I'm, I'm not staying late to prove myself. I'm not doing that because I didn't gave you the best of me within these eight or nine hours that I don't work, and that's all I'm getting paid for. You know, even in private practice, looking at my schedule, if I don't have space to add another client, you know what? I'm like, you know, unfortunately, I'm booked. Here are some other therapists who may have open availability. It's so important to have that balance mm-hmm. because if you don't, that's when your life get all chaotic. You know, you burnt out, you're tired all the time because you don't have boundaries. That's all it is, is a lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder how much we don't realize where we're not showing up 100%, where we're not giving our best because we're spread so thin and we're trying to be the be all end all to everyone and everything. I wonder how much of us really realize the amount that we do show up or how much when we're in these different situations, we're not bringing our full self. Mm -hmm. You know, this may get 10%, this may get 25%, this may Mm -hmm. get 50%, yada, yada, yada. But rarely does anything get 100%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it happens so often, but it's like a lot of things can be missed if you are not present focused Mm -hmm. and like self-aware of your own limitations. I noticed I cannot multitask and... (laughs) You know, it was okay at first, but as of late, I'm just like, I can't do it because I can be focused on one thing and my daughter or my husband then asked me like five different questions and I ain't heard nothing because I'm laser focused in on this one thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I snap out of it, they're like, never mind. And I was like, but did you say something? Because I, I don't know. So it's like, I can't. You know, and it's not that I can't. I'll just say that I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Because when you have your hands in so many different things, you miss something. Mm-hmm. That's how mistakes happen. So you can't give 10% to this, you know, 5% to this, 30% to this, because you're going to make mistakes in all of those different areas because you're not focused on it. Absolutely. Whew, that is so true. When I think about some of the things that I've done where I have missed something, small things, didn't hear something because you're trying to. And I have prided myself on my ability to multitask. And the more I look at it, it's like, are you really? Are you really? 
Could you have done this better if you would have just tried to do this one thing? Because listen, I'm going to tell on myself for a second. Mm-hmm. I am the queen of technology doesn't act right. I can try to open up a browser or do something, open the email and, you know, I get the spinning wheel. Okay. While mm-hmm. the wheel is spinning on this page, let me go over here and do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can be on a call trying to grocery shop at the same time, <laughs> always looking for multiple ways to get as much done mm-hmm. at the same time as possible. And it like, And I find myself, and it is so funny, instantly when I'm trying to do something on the computer and it's taking a while for the program to open, I will immediately start doing something else while it's trying to do that. And then we'll have forgotten. What were you doing? Yes. Girl, (laughs) me too. My memory is short. Let me tell you, if I find one thing to go do another and try to go back to the other thing, I'm like, okay. What was I waiting at the computer for? Like, what am I waiting to load up? So, that's how horrible. Something is supposed to be happening right now. I don't know what it is. All right. You're doing too much. So, like, you're doing too much. And I think we try to multitask because, you know, maybe we make ourselves feel guilty for not being able to do multiple things at once because it's like, Hey, it's 24 hours in a day. How are you maximizing your time? Mm-hmm. Um, well, whatever I don't get done today can get done tomorrow. You know, just got to be okay with it. You know, it got to stop trying to have it all together, do it all mm-hmm. because we are skipping steps. You know, we're exhausted from trying to do so. And as you were saying that, I just got a picture in my mind. And I don't know what cartoons you watched as a kid. But when I think back to the superhero cartoons, you always saw them doing multiple things at the same time. They had one hand doing one thing, one doing another, the feet doing something else. They're flying and, you know, and I think that name for this way of thinking is so accurate because it really, at least in my mind, makes you think and puts you in the frame of reference of what I grew up seeing superheroes that are cartoon figures on TV doing. Yep. See how the messages was everywhere? Mm, mm, mm. Those messages were everywhere. And so you mentioned a word that is often not talked about in the Black community, Um, It's getting more popularity. We're starting to talk about it more and address it more. And that's depression. And how much of this way of thinking do you think is really like playing into us as women of color being depressed and maybe not in the way that society articulates what depression is, Mm -hmm. but How much of like, do you think this is really causing an increased rate of women of color being depressed? Definitely because, and and the thing is, I can say is that, you know, depression for women of color and it might, you know, it can very well be different for other cultures as well, but it's not always what's in the DSM-5. And I like to coin the phrase, high-functioning depression. Mm. Because if you look at 
the diagnosis for depression is like um, you're sleeping too much, sleeping too little, um, not being able to go to work. And a diagnosis is a diagnosis if it interferes with your ability to function at work, at home, or at school, in your social setting. And so with Black women, because let's go back to what we were taught as a kid, you keep moving. Mm-hmm. You keep moving. And so with depression, you can very well be depressed and still go to work, still mm. go to school, still show up in your social settings and your friendships. And depression is still there. And it's often harder to detect because we're not talking about other signs that may show up like increased sex drive, increased drinking, increased spending. Mm-hmm. It's those things that also causes depression as well. And so when we try to maintain this role of keep going, keep going, keep going, I'm tired, but I can't stop. I got to keep going. Mm. You are essentially neglecting your mental health because you won't even pause to check in with, well, why am I just crying randomly? Mm. why do I not feel like getting up out of this bed? Like I've been in the bed three days. What's happening? (laughs) You're depressed and it's okay. Mm. It's okay. We got to get away from the stigma of having a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And just once you get away from the stigma of something is wrong with you, that's when you go seek help because you're not ashamed. There's no shame tied to it. It's like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. I don't know what it is. Can you help me figure it out? Okay, let's figure out. Let's do some assessments, figure out what's going on. Absolutely. That is so important. And I'm so glad to see, in here, I, see I should say, here, more and more Black women going to get help, going to talk to therapists. Because um, for a while, that was not something that, we did. I don't think it was until recently that I started hearing about it in my own circles of people going. Before that, I don't think I knew anyone that went to therapy that was Black. Right, right. Because then it's like, well, you don't talk about problems outside of your home. Mm-hmm. When you do, you go to church, you pray about it. Mm-hmm. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You take it to the Lord in prayer or you get in your social circles, you know, you get with your friends. You know, you have your drink and you get to complaining about your life or, you know, discussing everything that mm. you're just unsatisfied with. And that is like your unofficial therapy. And you said a key word in that complaining, which is different than finding solutions. Mm-hmm. That is so key. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's good to get it out. But we got to do more than complain and get it out. We got to find some solutions. (laughs) Back to that solution, which is part of the problem. But this is now solutions for ourselves, not other people's problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because then when you have these conversations in your inner circle, you know, nine times out of ten, your homegirl, your friend going through the same thing. So y'all just transferring problems onto each other. Right. And no one has, you know, a possible solution to address 
what you're all dealing with. So like I said, if you're going to complain, that's completely fine because we all do. Okay, but now what? Like what mm-hmm. is the solution to my complaint? And so, you know, in our families, we take care of our children, our husbands, our parents, etc. as women. And often as our parents age is on the female, the daughters, the, mm-hmm. you know, the females in the family. What can the men in our lives do to support us and help us feel safe and comfortable to take the cape off? Step up, step up. Step up, man. <laughs> and I'm saying this with all love because you are with your partner. You see what your partner does every single day. Your partner or your spouse should not have to say, hey, babe, can you do this? Hey, babe, can you do that? Because if you are paying attention, you already know what needs to be done. You already know what areas your wife or your girlfriend or your partner, what area they need help in, step up, step up. If your partner done cooked three days in a row on this fourth day, can you please provide some type of meal? (laughs) 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 Or the house done been dirty for a week straight because your partner hasn't had time to clean up. Listen, Get in the living room, pick up a broom, pick up a vacuum cleaner, clean (laughs) the kitchen, wash the dishes. Like you are sharing this space with your partner as well. Lighten the load because then it's like, okay, your wife or your significant other then did all this stuff. And at the end of the night, you waiting to have sex. She tired. (laughs) (laughs) She's tired. She don't want to do it. She want to go to sleep. She wants to go to sleep. So help your partner out. I'm telling you, when women get help without having to ask for it, baby, that does something within us. You get your needs met a whole lot more. (laughs) Listen, when my husband be like, I got dinner tonight, or if I come home and he done clean something in this house, Oh, that's one less thing I got to do. We good. Right. <laughs> we good. Now I can meet your needs. And now I'm excited to do it because mm-hmm. my partner is helping me. It's not all on me to do all of these different tasks. Absolutely. And it's an expression of love just to us. And so speaking of that, though, how does this mentality and this way of living that we are conditioned to think and to feel, how as women does it impact our femininity and how we show up in relationships and be vulnerable to create a space to allow our men to play those roles for us? It takes work because you have to think about how long you've been operating in the same manner before your partner came along. So if you were single or you were used to taking care of everything, it's going to be hard to release that control. Emphasis on control Mm because that's what it is. Um, It's going to be hard to release that control to let your partner help. But I say if action wise, you see your partner try to help you in 
any area of your life, at some point, you just have to allow him to do so. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be easier said than done because I think for black women, we're so used to being in control. It can be scary for us to not be in control. Mm-hmm. It really is fearful. Mm-hmm. It's a fear. And then it's like, what are you fearing? Another anxiety symptom. Mm. What are you fearing? Mm. You you don't even know what you're fearing. And how do you know that what you fear might come true? That is a whole word on fear itself. Because you can take that and apply it to any type of fear. And just like you can say, well, I'm afraid this may happen. Mm-hmm. But what if it doesn't? Mm-hmm. It's a 50-50 shot of it happening. It's a 50-50 shot of it not happening. So why do we focus on the negative instead of the possible positive outcome? It's so easy to do so. When I tell you those negative thoughts are like second nature, they just are automatic thoughts that pop up. And what I know is when I work with a lot of clients with anxiety, there's always a a negative statement behind the what if question. And Mm. I'm just like, whoa, my goodness, have you considered the possibility that something positive could happen? Mm -hmm. Okay. But since we're going to go with the negative statement first, now let me challenge you on it. Okay. So say that this doesn't work in your favor. What does that mean? Does it mean that your life is over or does it just mean that this option didn't work? Mm-hmm. So even in considering negative, what is are thinking about, you know, negative possible outcomes, you still have to assess if it doesn't work out, then what? You know, if it's not something life threatening, you know. What's plan B? What are my other choices? Mm -hmm. You know, life isn't over because he ain't helped me or I didn't get help in this area. I just got to figure out another way to get it done. But I'm still moving. I'm still breathing. Life's still going on. And I wonder sometimes if that's part of the fear in being vulnerable in our relationships, creating that space is that If I create the space for you to do X, for you to step up, for you to take care of whatever, Mm -hmm. and you don't, because historically I may have seen things that have told me that I can't trust this. I can't trust relationships to provide for me, take care of me in this way. Now, what are you costing me? Are you costing me more? And back to that control it's scary sometimes and you don't sometimes when you don't know another way you don't know how to do better mm-hmm. oh my gosh you know very good point because being vulnerable is so scary because you don't know what a person is going to do with that information and mm-hmm. that's the scary part if I open myself up to you what are you going to do with that? I can tell you that's something that I struggle with and something that, you know, I'm still working on because being vulnerable ain't easy. If that means that your guards are down, 
you are trusting of this person. And if you don't have a history where, you know, people have made you feel safe or people have made you feel as if you can trust them, man, it's almost like a trauma response in a sense to not allow yourself to be vulnerable because of your past experiences. And I'm like, I'm always assessing things by case by case basis. When I got with my husband, my previous relationships was just a horrible mess, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, you know, I'm not even really looking for a relationship. Like, I just want to have fun. I just want to date around. You know, it was um, Chicago summer, and we know how beautiful those summers mm-hmm. And then I meet him. And, you know, for a while, not a long while, but for like a couple of months, I just was like so guarded. And, you know, he was nice. And that's just his personality. He's a nice person. But when I tell you that was a trigger, because I had an experience with a man being nice. And then he flipped her crazy. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Let me make sure I'm following. Did you just say at the time your boyfriend, the guy that you were involved with is now your husband, him being nice triggered you? It was a trigger because my previous relationship, the gentleman was nice until he wasn't. Mm. And Mm. so, you know, the next guy I date is, you know, now my husband. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what if he got a crazy side that he ain't showing yet? Like, right. I don't know. This feels too familiar. It's feeling like my last one. But I had to constantly listen at his words and watch his actions. It's his words and actions aligning. And at some point I had to decide, like, this man is not out here to hurt you. You, He's making you feel safe. He's made you feel safe. You can open up and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so we've been together six and a half years now. So Aww, I love <laughs> it. Yay. But what you were just talking about, I think it even goes back to that conditioning that we have as children. We're taught not to trust by the teachings of you have to be better than you have to be 10 times better. And that makes you not trust, not trust society, not trust people that don't look like you. Keep your business in the house. You can't trust Mm -hmm. people that are outside. You don't go to outside sources for help. Mm -hmm. We're taught as women to not trust other women with our men, to Mm -hmm. not trust, you know, other people with money. So much of the things that we're taught, if it's too, if it seems too good to be true, don't trust Mm -hmm. it. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all, it's kind of like we're taught to be a skeptic from childhood and to have our guards up and Mm -hmm. to protect ourselves from any and everyone Mm -hmm. mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally. So it's no wonder we don't trust people and we we struggle to be vulnerable and to be Mm -hmm. feminine and all these other things. And you're absolutely right. And that's why generational trauma is a thing. Because Mm -hmm. everyone is passing down their own traumatic experiences of not being able to trust. And so you continue to pass it down. Now your mama is passing it down to you. At some point, you know, you have to decide that it stops with you. 
because you don't want to keep carrying that traumatic experience down your family line. Absolutely. And so how do we as women support each other through this to help each other take our capes off? Well, in order to help others, you got to help yourself first. So if Mm. you have been taking your cape off, you Mm. cannot be helping your girlfriend take hers off. Because how you going to help her? That's a word. And (laughs) you ain't did. (laughs) And so everything goes back to making yourself a priority. Work on healing yourself. Work on allowing you to take your own cape off. And Mm. then once you master that, now you could be like, friend, I see this is what you're going through. Let me help you through this. Mm-hmm. Stop putting people before yourself because then you're just neglecting yourself again to care for others. And sometimes they ain't even ask you for your help. <laughs> now, how many times do we go and do that and insert ourselves in a person's situation They didn't ask for advice. They just may have been telling you what was going on to complain. (laughs) They didn't want a response. (laughs) Just listen. Yes. But you see how easy it happens Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. even thinking about it. It happens so easily. So it's like you have to always be in tune with yourself. Got to be self-aware of what's happening with you. I can't help you if I haven't helped myself. I can't mm-hmm. help my clients if I haven't helped myself. Mm-hmm. Everything that I teach my clients, I'm practicing myself because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Absolutely. You know, one thing that I have been working on, I've learned it. I've been working on it. Still room for improvement. <laughs> so continuous mm-hmm. journey. Yes. Is allowing myself to accept that I'm not superwoman, that I have kryptonite, that things hurt, that situations, that words, you know, that I can be wounded, that I can't do everything by myself and to start asking for help. And that is hard. <laughs> I have to snap in a circle for you admitting that. That's the first step. And meeting it and owning it, and there's no shame attached to it because, Cassandra, you're only one person. Hello. But you couldn't have told me that a while ago because I would have thought and sworn up and down. I was, there are times when I catch myself slipping back into that mentality of work more, work harder, do more. And it's like, but you're tired. You feel that you're tired. Stop. Don't push through all the time. Sometimes, okay, maybe if you have a deadline or something, and we know those times in which you need to pick and choose, but that needs to be the exception to the rule, not the rule every day of push through, work harder, work faster, because you do burn out. You do wear yourself out. You tire easily. You get cranky, like you said. You miss stuff. Um, so that has been definitely a journey. It, it has taken my friends and life and my mom to help me get to mm-hmm. that place. But it's a uh, it's a journey. Definitely. And it's going to be a continuous journey. Like you said, 
You know, I really like the statement, like each day that you are above ground, you have the decision to choose what you are going to do for your life. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if your plan is to learn how not to be a superwoman, learn how to not manage multiple roles, learn how to not overextend yourself, then which option are you going to choose? Are you going to choose this path that you're trying to embark on that reinforces these boundaries that doesn't allow you to be this superwoman? Or will you choose what you are comfortable mm-hmm. with doing and what you have been doing? One, they're both going to serve you a purpose, but one is going to continue to be detrimental to your mental, physical, and emotional health. One is going to give you a better quality of life. So, ma'am, when can we get this book? Where can we get this book? This book. Oh, my gosh. My book. I'm not your superwoman will be available beginning December. I am aiming to have it published early December. That's my goal. But definitely December 2020. I'm not your superwoman will be available on Amazon. I might uh, make it available on Barnes and Nobles. Of course, my website, www.latoyajfoster.com. Hit me up on my Instagram, Latoya underscore the counselor. Hit me <laughs> up on my on my email, LPC at gmail.com. And let me know that you want a copy of my book, I'm Not Your Superwoman. And so signed copies will be available if you reach out to me directly. I love it. Make sure you got my copy. I'm telling you now, I've already told you. (laughs) I want a copy of this book. I am so, so proud of you for doing this work and getting this message out there and helping more and more women know that it is okay to take your cape off and that does not make you weak. That does not make you any less of Black girl magic and all the things that make us uniquely wonderful as Black women. It just may keep you sane and healthier a little bit longer. (laughs) And and that's the goal. You want to stay sane and you want to stay physically, mentally, and emotionally healthy so you can be around and live a full life. And I always like to say, I don't know if we get to do life over. So you got to get it right this time. I know that's right. Speaking of that, what is one thing that you do to get one step closer to living your most opulent life? Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so listen, I'm a prioritizing self and so I don't have to do much. But as long as I am knowing my limitations and staying firm to my boundaries. And not bending in for even myself, that's how I am living my opulent life, my best life, my amazing life, because I am really and truly unapologetic about being a top priority. Love it. We are so quick to make everybody else a top priority and not ourselves. I love it. That is, I need to do an episode on boundaries. <laughs> I mean, I, seriously, seriously, it is needed. And I talk about it a lot with my clients. I'm like, what kind of boundaries you got, girl? Because um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, let's set them up. Let's talk about them. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. That is something that just as women, period, mm-hmm. we struggle with more so than I think men do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and then I have a shameless plug. Yes, go for it. Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, I'm Not Your Superwoman will actually be my second book that I've published. Yes. My first book. Woo! My first book is called I Got This 30 Day Tips for Black Women with Anxiety or Depression. It uh, was published December 2018. It is also available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and of course, my website. Hit me up on Instagram and my email, and you can get you a signed copy as well. So this one is like, guys. Yay. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that December is your publication month. You, I think so. And it's just crazy because my mind gets to roll in the second half of the year. And then, boom, here I am with a book. So Love it. Love it. Definitely. I want to check out both of them. Thank you again so much for your time, for being on the show and having this conversation with me and really helping to just spread the word and let women know that it's okay to not be a superwoman. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. You are a super woman. You are black girl magic. And you are human, not superhuman. Someone once told me, you are a super woman, but you don't have to solve every problem, every crime, and do everything. It is time to prioritize you, lady. Your wants and needs are just as important as everyone else's. It is okay to receive just like you give. It is not easy. It is a journey every day for me. But there is nothing opulent about being tired, drained, empty, overwhelmed, stressed, unhappy, or snappy. You know what I'm talking about. It's time to dream, set boundaries, take care of your most important asset, you. So as we get ready to close the door on 2020 and move into 2021, what boundaries are you setting for yourself? What dreams are you believing in and working towards for you? I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining this week's conversation on the Crowned Opulence podcast. I hope you heard something that inspired you, made you laugh, or simply helped you to feel like you weren't alone in this thing called adulting. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much to me and it helps the show. To continue this conversation, connect with us on the Crowned Opulence IG and Facebook pages. If you would like to have your favorite mimosa featured as part of the Mimosa of the Week, submit your recipe on crownedopulencepodcast.com. And while you're there, tell me what you would like to talk about on upcoming episodes. Ladies, do something this week to polish another queen's crown. You aren't everyone's glass of champagne and everyone isn't yours. 
only those select few are privileged to enjoy you. See you next week.